Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Bird Calls alongside Ali Cosell. I am your co-host, David Grubb. And as usual, plenty of things are going on around your New Orleans Pelicans. Ali, let's start with the thing that we're most used to talking about with the Pelicans, unfortunately, and that's injuries. And uh, Jose Alvarado injured during his offseason workouts. Um, and it looks like his availability to be ready for, in time for training camp is now in question. What does that mean for you, in your opinion, for the Pelicans in the short term and for this roster, um, maybe into the start of the season? Yeah, so it's kind of interesting because I think he was supposedly injured, according to Shams Tarania uh, of The Athletic, here or, you know, some kind of related workout close to here. But I got word that he got injured in China. Uh, to where he was doing some promotional stuff over there and just happened to be doing what I was told, some kind of one-on-one going with a fan over there. And I guess, you know, just it was kind of one of those accidents, right? So either way, it doesn't sound all too bad, regardless of what happened, where it happened. Um, but the thing that's concerning to me, right, is that's another lower half injury, right? Last year, we thought we would get to see him before the end of the season or maybe in, during the play-in tournament, or was if the Pelicans had made the playoffs, he would have been available. But then, of course, the Pelicans kind of held him back, didn't want him to play for Puerto Rico in the FIBA World Tournament. Now you get the same going injury. So for me, I'm kind of stringing all these t- things together on the same line. So it's concerning from that standpoint. So as for when Jose is going to be available, hopefully, right, he'll be back and maybe participate in a few preseason games. First regular season game is until, I think, October 25th. So there's plenty of time if it's a mild, right, ankle injury or something less severe. But if it's something worse, then that's a problem, David, because we've already talked about Trey, likely out, probably shouldn't expect him back till middle of December at full strength. Now another big bench guy, right? We thought it's going to be Trey, Jose, Larry Nance, your three main guys off the bench. Suddenly two of the three are big-time question marks. So that is concerning. And it goes back to, I guess, what we've been kind of hyping up, Kyra Lewis. I think he's going to get his opportunity. And, boy, if he can perform along the same lines we saw last season, right, statistically, he's going to be able to fill in, give them a lot of what Jose brings. Um, Not necessarily the same type of production, but that same impact where maybe not defensively, he's going to be able to pick up a guy 94 feet, harass the heck out of him, push, maybe be that floor general, push the ball in transition. But Kyra can push the ball in transition, but he can do a lot of other things, right, from the scoring standpoint, from the burst standpoint. And so – I kind of liken it to what I saw out of, you know, Chris Olave for the Saints yesterday. They finally utilized what this guy can do with his special God-given ability. And I think Kyra kind of has that same package in terms of the burst, the speed. Just they have to utilize him. Yeah, I think you think about the things that Kyra brings to the table, that ability to cut the gap in anticipation defensively um, and cover space, which is something Jose, I'm sorry, at 5'10", 
which is essentially what Jose is. You know, not Jose is not a rangy 5'10 at that. He is a stocky, you know, um, compact 5'10. So with Kyra at 6'3, a long 6'3, um, with, the, with the good wingspan, with incredible speed, even after the injuries, we saw how good his speed was. Uh, ben Pfeiffer with a break, great breakdown um, on our on our website and on our YouTube, um, just showing you the impact that a guy like Kyra can have. And now with this double impact, essentially, number one, you need scoring off the bench because without Trey, you're losing that. Jose has also given you at times – some off the bench scoring in bunches, but you also need that, like you said, the quickness, the pressure, the the ability to get into the lane, the ability to catch and shoot. And Kyra in those bursts, as you pointed out in your in your article um, on the bird rights, has done that. He's shown us that, especially over the last year, his shooting numbers from from distance in particular were really good. He needs to get better at finishing around the rim, but he just didn't get a lot of opportunities to really do that. Yeah, Dave. My biggest concern is. Not so much as Kyra's ability, but his impact. So, for instance, Jose, whether he has a good game or a bad game, still brought usually good, right, vibes, momentum, style, changing plays defensively, just a couple things. So, if he misses, it goes for one for eight or something like that. Pelicans still obviously had a good chance to win a lot of games because usually Jose wasn't dependent upon that. He brought that energy. I guess that's that's the biggest thing I'm worried about. So, now, Trey Sharp shooting, that dependability, that aggressiveness, gone. Jose Alvarado, you always – And that athleticism, too. Yeah, but what I'm guess I'm pointing at is is this aggressive aggressiveness, this assertiveness, this you need to have this kind of trait coming off the bench, right? Where you're going to step right in that court and make an impact. Kyra, you know, for all the good that he showed in what was less than 300 minutes, I still felt like he didn't try and push the ball too much, didn't try to take charge too much and I feel like that's necessary off the bench so who's going to fill that role for me you know Larry Nance will talk to the guys but who with their game their ability on the court with the ball can do that in place of right Jose and Trey I don't know I think if if, I think both if Kyra and Dyson are empowered you know I mean like I think last year they I, I neither of them felt and you could see it in the game felt comfortable um, asserting themselves for whatever reason, whether it's because for Kyra, he just hadn't been around and he really didn't know how to, and for Dyson might just be being a rookie. But from what we've seen out of Dyson, even in the clips that we've seen of his offseason workouts and things like that, and the way he approached summer league with a much more aggressive mentality, offensively looking to attack the basket. And when we, the last time we saw Kyra in charge of a team, you know, kind of in summer league, he was up and down the floor. He was creating energy. We all, and we know his smile and his laugh and those types of things that we've seen at him at his best. So, yeah, I think if you can build his confidence up and he certainly should be a minutes should be there for up for grabs, then Kyra needs to, he needs to seize it. But I think the coaching staff also needs to tell Kyra, look, Hey, not only is it, is it, is that there aren't any options, but we believe you can do this. If they're just putting him out of because they don't feel like we don't have any other players, he's going to know that. But if they put him out there and they say, look, we trust you, take the basketball, do what you got to do, then I think uh, he could be a productive player. And this is where I'm hoping one of the things that James Borrego coming to New Orleans can really help in that facet. Get close to a few, a certain number of players and see if between your one-on-one sessions, right, doing video work and stuff like that, can you get – the best out of certain players. And Kyra's the number one I've got circled, really. 
um, because they're going to need his impact to where before it felt almost like a luxury. Can he even get minutes? Now it almost feels like it just has to happen. So Borrego's got that track record. And I'm currently working on an article where I really dive deep into what James Borrego can bring. We kind of touched on it, I know, in a podcast, a couple articles, maybe a couple months ago. And so just real quick, we know that he's great in clutch minutes, right? His team's always perform well. He's obviously offensively talented. But digging deeper, he's really developed these bonds with certain guards on his previous Charlotte teams that – inspired confidence for them to do well. And of course, I'm looking no further than Devontae Grant. We saw what Devontae's game was kind of all about here in New Orleans, right? A year and a half, what, what his limitations were. But James Borrego seemed to bring a lot more out of him in Charlotte. Same thing with Terry Rozier, even LaMelo Ball. Um, and, and then there's several other players. And looking into that, and it looks promising. From everything I've read, Borrego's got a certain system, way of explaining things, even getting on the court with his players where he gets through to them, and they play really hard. Because the bottom line is, as Borrego even says in an interview, I listened to a podcast he did about three years ago, it's all about getting your guys to compete at the highest level, right? That's all coaches want to do. So if he could do that, if he could inspire Dyson, Kyra, several other guys that probably need that boost, I think the Pelicans would be much better team forward. Yeah, I think there are guys on this team who respond exactly how really wants them to respond to his, his way of coaching. Herb is Willie's, you know, a Willie kind of guy. Jose is a Willie kind of guy because of they respond in a different way. But I think when you have a Jordan Hawkins, when you have a Kyra Lewis, these guys need something else. They're creative. They are, uh, you know, their game is about those flourishes in the in the gray areas. You know, they may not always do the simple thing. They may there may be something extra, and you got to encourage them. I think to play with that. And James Borrego, I, I think his voice will, you know, make them a little more fearless. Go ahead and take that shot. Not Don't take a bad shot, but if it's a good shot, go ahead and take it. If you feel like you could take your guy, take that guy. It'll open something else up. I think, you know, that's that's something that this team needed, a voice of, of kind of like some freedom. I think they they, they felt there's, there's a little restriction even within this idea of a .5 offense. Yeah, and that's one of the things I also am trying to look at in this article. We know that when you have Zion Williamson out there along with B.I., C.J., you're going to have a good offense no matter what. But when I was looking at the numbers last year, they weren't great. They weren't top five in hardly anything. And when you, even though it was limited sample size, still I expected to see those numbers higher. But the reason James Bragg, I think one of the main reasons he was brought in was for all the times when injuries do strike, right? So can you get the best out of the rest of the guys? And that's why I think, you know, last year's coaching staff team somewhat failed. Pelicans were a bottom third tier in just about every category once Zion went down, right? Right around New Year's Eve. And looking at the talent, that shouldn't have been the case, honestly. So I think that James Brego, with his track record, what he did in Charlotte, what he's learned, right? This guy's got 20 years of NBA experience, right? And he spent at least half of it in San Antonio. So I know he knows what he's doing, what he's talking about, and his plan works. Right. He has stumbled upon through a lot of hard work on what thing, what works. So hoping he comes in here, can quickly evaluate the situation. Right. And and, you know, circumvent these two injuries. And we know there's going to be more to come. It's disheartening. Right, David. I know Pelicans fans got to talk them off the ledge already. When you go look at, like, for instance, CBS or Fox or anybody that keeps track of latest NBA injury news. Guess what? The Pelicans have two guys. Almost every other team's got zero. 
right? The biggest injury outside of the Pelicans, too, is Lonzo Ball, who's out, right, for the Chicago Bulls for a season. And they already know he's gone for the year. Yeah, and then Porzingis, who's nursing um, s- some kind of injury to where he couldn't play in FIBA, right? So that's, like, the biggest concerns. Malcolm Brogdon, too. But other than that, there's nobody. And then you've got the Pels, right? Trey Murphy, definitely gone until probably December. And then Jose, question mark. So not a good start. But, hey, we've come to expect it. So, just got to circumvent it, David. You've got to make things work in the meantime. And I think the Pelicans do have the talent. And that's what Griffin kind of pointed to, right? I guess this is a good lead-in for that. Griff believes in talent. And I think you and I both do as well. But can they assemble it and make it work, right? Produce. Yeah, uh, David Griffin uh, talking to the – the um, I want to say it was the um, – I want to say it was the New Orleans. Uh, what was it? The it's just I guess it was the the quarterback club. Yeah, uh, the yeah. New Orleans Sports Foundation quarterback club. So um, he meets with them. This is a regular event that they have this luncheon, and he says two things. Number one, yeah, hope is is not a game plan, which is something that has been said by the fan base. We've been saying it. Yeah. Two, like, it, and there are people, the reaction, and we'll get into that. But then the other part is they wanted to address this problem from the medical side, as they referred to, as he referred to it, which means that they removed Aaron and Nelson from his job. There is no indication yet of someone assuming that role. Um, but there are more, there have been some lower level hirings to the staff, some physical therapists. And other things like that, and and players have been around the facility more this off season, so just something that they've wanted to do. In particular, he singled out Zion Williamson and said that Zion has been in New Orleans almost the entire off season. Um, you've seen recent pictures of Zion where he looks very healthy. Uh, how good do you feel at this point uh, about Zion, or are you still in the camp of hey, we just have to wait and see? Well, you obviously have to wait and see. But what I am happy to see is the fact that he's doing things differently. The fact that not only is he working out here in New Orleans, but we're actually seeing proof. And he began all this by actually in summer league, joining right Gilbert Arenas on his podcast, owning up to doing things incorrectly in the past and vowing to make a change. And just based on the past two months, so far we've seen some changes. So that gives reasonable hope that maybe things will be different. Now, granted, freak accidents still happen. So if he steps on somebody's foot or, you know, something like that happens, you can't all of a sudden say, here we go, same old, same old. What I want to see is if he does suffer anything, David, is he going to come back in the normal time frame? That's expected for most athletes. Will we also see a sign that maybe doesn't look bigger, right? Say it's an injury that takes him out of action for a month where we see that he's still kind of staying on top of his condition, right? All of a sudden, it's not obvious, even underneath some baggy clothing, that this guy's put on some weight, right? That he's lost a lot of conditioning. So that remains to be seen. That's why you can't, of course, do jumping jacks or anything like that at this point. But again, I have hope that maybe things are different because Zion said something to where, right, he owned up to it, and now he's trying to basically prove it. And so far, there's a little bit of pudding there, David. We've seen, right, People at the facility that have been there, mainly football guys, because that's basically the only media that's been there, but they've seen what he's been doing. So it's promising. Yeah. Um, Like you said, the the biggest thing you can say is he's trying something new. And what we got at the end of last season was David Griffin saying, look, at the very least, we can acknowledge that whatever we've been doing hasn't worked. 
We need to try something else. So let's see what happens. Um, certainly, uh, you know, Jose's thing, like you said, it, that's not something you can predict. Trey's injury, that's not something you can predict. I think, I would say, I think we're seeing a lot of these soft tissue injuries on younger players because they're playing so many games. Like they're just, you know, like it's always games, whether it's AAU, whether it's whatever, it's when they're 16, 17, 15, they're playing games constantly on hardwood, games, games, games. And even when we were younger or kids were younger and you're playing on the blacktop, there was still some sitting around and it was, you know, it was a lot of proving yourself, waiting and that stuff. Everything wasn't high stakes on the court, hardwood, traveling, that type of stuff. And I think we're just seeing, you know, like kids need rest. And young players, we're seeing so many young players getting these soft tissue injuries, ankles, knees, and things like that. And I think it just comes from overuse. Yeah, normally that's the case. But honestly, with Trey and Jose, I'm wondering if it's they maybe have been doing a little bit too much, right? Trey's been renowned for offseason since he's joined the Pelicans, <laughs> really going hard. And I, I don't have I don't think we have to guess that Jose pretty much does the same thing. And so these guys weren't heralded AAU players, right? Trey, you know, had to go through that old college route to prove himself at almost every step before he finally ended up at Virginia, right? So he wasn't playing really all that regularly when he was really young. Um, same thing with Jose. He was never – he never reached the same level as Trey even in college. So from that standpoint, like I said, I'm not too worried about maybe their previous, you know, histories, right, wear and tear on the body is so much at play as much as maybe they just were really going too hard here in summer. So we'll see. And it was, Jose's a smaller guy. I mean, I mean, we just—he's a smaller guy. There's a lifespan for small guards in the league, and we'll see what his is. But we just know it's—it's it's hard to maintain a long career, especially when you—you you have to give the kind of effort that he does. Yeah, like That's this. Is, play, David, it's pounding, right? Ninety-four yeah. feet, right? Every place his twenty minutes equate to what forty minutes for a lot of players in the NBA. Right. Yeah. And he cannot play any other way or he's not in this league. Exactly. So it's a, it's a tremendous amount of stress on that body. Um, the third uh, thing to talk about, and and this is le- uh, just more of a, again, this, the ongoing relationship. And I think that the Pelicans still, there's a, a work to be done in building a real partnership with your fans. And part of that is how do they get your product? And it's clear that the fan base does, is not happy with the delivery of the television product as far as who it's coming through, as far as Bally Sports. Pelicans announced that they're going to continue their relationship. We've seen a couple of teams this offseason, in particular um, Phoenix and now Utah, um, deciding that they're going to broadcast their games on their own. And they're excited about that possibility and, and what that can bring to them as far as exposure, Phoenix is talking about tripling its 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 viewership and moving from cable to to landlines. They're giving out antennas. They're sending antennas to fans who need them so that they can watch b- basketball games. Pelicans are going to ride with Bally. Yeah, and David, I can't blame them. Right, it's easy to right. It seems like they're resting on their laurels or just relying on their old partner. But really, I mean, Diamond you know, who, who's the owner of all these Bally sports regional networks. I mean, there's at least 15 teams, right? So it's not like the Pelicans are doing something different than the rest of the league. Uh, so it's not a good product. That, that's something I'm not going to deny ever since, you know, they've taken over. There's been some kind of issues. And now, especially once Bally, you know, it changed to Bally from Fox. There's been issues, especially with the streaming, right? It's just a dependable broadcast, which it's not. 
and now and the they're cost. asking we're asking fans right to pay a premium for their product unless you have direct tv um they're, they're either there's regular satellite or their streaming service really the only way to get pelicans every pelicans game here in new orleans right in, inside the, this viewing uh radius of what is it 30 miles 60 miles you had to purchase their product right their app which was again a problem to load up seemingly weekly um i don't know at times you know by game and we've got friends who depended upon it and they would tell me right they couldn't it wouldn't load up at the start of games or there'd be some other kind of issues right so we're not alone we're not trying to pick on anybody but the fact is fans are not happy with the product and they've got every reason you know to have issues or concerns about it and i think it's just the overall uh parts of it you know as as we know that there's this conversation about uh, redoing the smoothie king center or replacing it start up again i think fans there are much simpler demands that fans have for the experience they'd like at the arena um, rather than what the NBA or the Pelicans may demand. And I, I think that disconnect, um, this whole need to build just for the sake of building, man, I think folks would be a lot happier if they've just, yeah, the app was dependable and you could catch every home game at a reasonable price or for free in a market where, you know, it's it's financially you have a, a, a difficult uh, landscape. And then the other part I think is fans would love it to feel a little bit more local inside the building. The food choices, yes, they've gotten better, but I mean, you notice things like Tulane University. I don't, I know, uh, I don't know if you saw that, but they've added local restaurants and put them inside, you know, the inside of their stadium, Hillman Stadium. I, I don't understand why the Pelicans can't do those types of things. I think that would be profitable and people would benefit from it. No, I agree. Uh, David, look, they've changed. We know the music venue used to be awful here. I want to say about, what was it three or four years ago, five years ago, maybe. It, it just didn't echo any parts of New Orleans culture, but they made changes to that. Now they bring a lot of local acts on top of, right, the DJ improving uh, some of the other, you know, production type of things they do during the games. But other than that, I really don't see the change, right? This SKC was supposed to undergo um, a total facelift. I was told this years ago, and it was supposed to probably happen in about two to three years, about five years ago. And obviously that didn't happen. All the attention got shifted right to the Superdome and they made all the improvements over there. And so the Pelicans kind of, and the Smoothie King Center got put on a back burner. Well, I, I think it's, you know, it's been pushed back far enough to where I'm not sure what they're going to do. I, I think honestly, this team honestly needs a new, arena now we're seeing right certain groups coming in here um are either canceling or just don't see fit to hold their you know their, their production their shows because skc does not see twenty thousand. it does not have certain audio availabilities or to be able to set up these huge right they're basically shows right so whether it's snoop dogg whether you know it's taylor swift there's an issue, right? It's an old facility. It's got to get upgraded. So can you make those changes quickly, which I'm not sure because they haven't made any changes yet, even though they were talking about it, like I said, four or five years ago. So it seems like they're maybe reserved on focusing on a new arena, but either way, they've got to put a legitimate plan together and get going because now we're hearing, you know, OKC 
their owner is pushing for a new arena. And I want to say it's about the same age as here in New Orleans. And most arenas across the NBA, across the 30 cities, are all newer, right, than Smoothie King Center. So it's time to change things, right? So, yeah, from almost any angle you look at this, the facility needs an upgrade or they've just got to find a new home, build a new home. But you can't get that. Whatever that Oklahoma City deal is horrible. Yes. Where, where the ownership is only committed, willing to commit fifty million of a nearly one billion dollar project, that that just can't happen. <laughs> no. it, it can't happen. The Saints. I mean, and, and 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 we can we'll talk about this at another time. But I'll just say this right now: the Saints and the Pelicans have benefited so much from the generosity of the state and the people of of Louisiana. Um, that I think it's just at this stage where the state is, it it cannot it cannot enter into that kind of deal and survive all the stuff that it's going through. No, and David, there's examples around the league. Golden State took no money from taxpayers. None. Uh, I think Balmer, what he's building out there in L.A., same thing. If you make a smart economic model to where you can figure out the financing based on not only the NBA team is going to play there, but other shows, right? to figure out how you can raise the money through those type of means. And then of course you can maybe, you know, charge a little bit more for seating, maybe for more food. But other than that, not taxing the uh, fan base is the way to go. Look, those, the, it's, it's worked for Golden State. I, I forget how much that, that cost, uh, what they built out there in San Francisco, but. They legitimately are building an entertainment district. Yeah. Look, it's, it's not Oklahoma city. You don't have to worry about, right. Or you, you have to worry about bringing in other acts, right? New Orleans is going to be always a hub here in the South, right? For every legitimate music, you know, songwriter, producer, you name it. Because and, this is just a fantastic city. And every WrestleMania, every, you know, all those, yeah. the bigger you can, if you can get it to a 25,000 seat arena, you know what I mean? If you can get to that and still have it accessible the way downtown New Orleans is uniquely accessible, to people mm-hmm. and events. I mean, I think you could survive, you know, look, you, if you had to play in the Superdome for a year or two, you know, or, I mean, the way things are done now, it doesn't even take that long. The way that they, re, you know, you can still be in your building while they're doing some of the renovations. So, I mean, if you had to play a few games in the dome or whatever, they, they'd figure it out. They'd figure it out. But I, I think it, it, you're right. It needs to be upgraded, but it needs to be a fair deal. Yeah, um, this one's been beaten to death, right? I hope yeah. they build a new arena, honestly. I think it's time because where their existing location is, it doesn't allow for a lot of expansion, right? When you look around. You need to, to be able to connect a practice facility, get them yeah. out of airline, get that, that practice facility next to the arena. That's what players want. They want their practice facility, facility right next to the arena where they can go work out after the game. They could do those yeah, I'm not sure things. that'll happen. They just did the upgrades there, right? That's highly doubtful that'll change, but I just want it to be where it's accessible for not just local fans, but for, you know, anybody that's coming in as a tourist, right? So stay in the downtown. It looks like the it's best place is somewhere yeah. close to the convention center, right? Close to the river. That That's and, usually the, the spots that people think about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyways, we'll see. <laughs> yep. And um, until the next time then, Ali, I think we've covered everything current with the Pels. Um we just hope keep our fingers crossed that no other health news comes before the next time. But we'll be back next Tuesday uh, with another edition of the Bird Calls. 
for Ali Cosell. I'm David Grubb and the words of our special friend, Ellis. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So, do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.